Hey folks, welcome back to Intelligent Living. Thanks for joining the podcast, where we have discussions about all things relating to life. You know, through science, we've learned so much about life and how to live it well, so why is it that we tend to live so foolish? Well, it's time to use that science so that we can live life with some intelligence. We can live longer, happier, more purposeful and productive lives for ourselves and for others. And this is called Intelligent Living. So here we're going to learn, laugh, live, last, and love. Thanks for joining the conversation. Chris. Hallelujah. Amen. She said, I, have like an, I feel like I have an appointment with God. I said, what a beautiful way to look at it. That's exactly how I look at it, and I don't take it lightly. I, it's holy ground. And so this morning, I'm just going to take the offering. Uh, before I forget, tonight at 4.30, if we can meet with some of the leaders, um, be here at 4.30 to talk to you. Uh, this, our, our, our complex has been sold, been sold a while back. They're selling each one of these individual units. And so we had, I kind of looked at another building before this. Some of the guys got some information about it, and I've been talking to a lender and a different guy for a while. But it, realistically, you know, we don't have, you know, two, three, four hundred thousand dollars cash, so we can't do on this other building, but maybe we can purchase this building. Um, so it's just a, a thought. We would have bought it over, you know, three times if we had bought it when we first came here, but we couldn't, it was not available. So maybe it might become available to us. We may have to come up with $100,000 down, maybe a little less, maybe a little bit more. But uh, I'm going to believe God to help us, and I'll present it more as I find out more information. I, got, I already got the contract. I had to lock in a price for the building. Um, but, um, you know, we, we, we like to invest in people. So we're not a church that just keeps all the money coming in and never send a church out, never invest anything. We send money every month to Prescott for world evangelism, 12 to 1500 um, for, uh, that helps support Joe Baliano. I think since he's been here, been back, I think we've put in like 39,000 already. So we've put in, and a lot of the money we spent, I said all that to say this, we could have kept it all and probably had hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank. But um, I think souls are more important than having money in the bank. We have churches all over the world because we're here because you give, and I've chosen to invest it in the world. My wife has a, has a heart for the world, so we've chosen to do that, and I believe that she, I believe God will help us, you know. And so I don't know how it's all going to work out, but I'll talk to the guys tonight. I'll show them the contract, and, and we'll brainstorm and just see, you know. I, we can only control what we can control. Amen. Um, so let me just read a scripture before I take the offering. It says in Mark... <clears throat> Jesus tells the disciples to go out, and you, and you read this, and you study it, you think it really is pretty powerful. He said, don't carry a, a bag for your trip or extra shirt or any walking stick. The workers should be given what they need. If anyone will not listen to you, shake the dust off your feet. You will leave the place as a testimony against them. One man writes, this dust was shaken off the feet as evidence of toil and labor that the apostles journeyed to them. It would be a witness that they entered the city and delivered the message, and their message had been refused. The very dust was a place to be, was the place of defilement for them or against them. The action must be regarded as symbolic and complete cessation or uh, stopping of all fellowship. It was customary with Pharisees when they entered Judea and Judean land to do this as a token of renunciation of all the practices there. But in this particular case, when they rejected the apostles, put them in a place beyond any kind of fellowship and communion. 
Let me go back to the first verse I said. He said, if anyone, when I send you out, don't take anything. God believed, and I've said this many times, God believed if the gospel came to people, he said, they will, the people who are touched by the gospel, they will provide what you need. He said, and if they don't receive you, he says, you dust your shoes off. It's judgment, basically, against them. He believed fully that if, if when the gospel really comes into someone's life, they will want to change and they'll want to give. And what a, you think about what a responsibility God is. You know, I expect, when my word comes, I expect people to be changed, and I expect that they will, in turn, give. And whatever is needed, they will give to it. And so that's, what we, that's how we operate here. I don't make people give, but I challenge people to give, and I will always challenge you to give and support the work of God. Let's just give the Lord a clap offering as Jesus has come this morning. <clears throat> Praise God. That's one. Ask God to bless the tithes and the offerings, please. before I begin. Uh, the Alvin Smith revival, we're going to have it, but we're probably going to be pushing it down like two more weeks. So we're going to be having it. We're not sure the exact date, like the third week of February, it looks like. So just be aware of that, please. And then next Sunday, Johnny Volterra will be here with us. He'll be preaching in the morning, and at night we're going to have, he's going to be preaching at night. We're going to do a communion service to start the new year. Uh, and be uh, look forward to that. One of my brothers, uh, he texted me, <clears throat> I texted my pastor friends when I was in the hospital the first and the second time. Um, and he's one of the guys that got right back to me right away. He said he wanted to come and help me any way he could. So he offered. He, got a, he happened to get a cancellation, but he offered. And then a bunch of other pastors that you know, talked to me and things. And I just want to say that I thank God for the community. I thank God for fellowship. I thank God for pastor friends. I thank God for this church. Um, you don't realize, well, I realize, I just, I've talked to other pastors. Let me make it a little bit more clear up here, uh, Tim or uh, Nick. Other pastors from different fellowships. Uh, there's two other pastors that I met years back. Uh, they didn't have one other pastor friend that they considered a close friend to talk to. Not one pastor friend that they really confided in, they really, you know, just real close to. All these guys who come and preach for me, I don't know if you know it, they're my friends. 
And some pastors don't even invite their friends because they want someone new to come. But uh, I like inviting my friends. I'd rather be, be around someone I like being around, right? And so we have a great time, and I appreciate all the brothers that have texted me and said they're praying for me, the churches that are praying, that have prayed for me. I stand here, and I believe this with all my heart. I stand here right now in my right mind, kind of, because people and churches have prayed for me. I give myself no credit, no adronic stuff. Stop it. It's Jesus, all Jesus. Can you say amen? So, hallelujah. Let me get into this this morning. <clears throat> Let's get right to our text, 2 Kings chapter 4. I'm just going to hit a few verses. Uh, I'm not going to read that many of them, but it'd be, sh but we'll get to it, called Broken Hallelujahs. 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning in verse 22. And the woman called her husband and said, Please send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may go quickly and return <clears throat> to the man of God. Verse 24, then she saddled the donkey and told the servant, drive onward, don't slow the pace unless I tell you. Verse 25, she sent out and went to the man of God on Mount Carmel. And when the man of God saw her at a distance, he said to his servant, Gehazi, look, the Shunammite woman, uh, everything is all, ask her if, if everything is all right. She said, it is well. Verse 27, when she reached the man of God at the mountain, she clung to his feet and Gehazi came over to push her away. The man of God said, leave her alone, for her soul is in deep distress or bitterness of soul, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. And the woman and the mother of the boy said, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will not leave you. So she got up and she followed him. Because it's the first sermon I'm preaching in the new year. There's a little article, a little saying, it says, dear God, <clears throat> My prayer for the new year is a fat bank account and a thin body. Please don't get these mixed up like you did last year. <laughs> Someone else said, although no one can uh, get back and make a brand new start, anyone can start from now and make a brand new ending. Broken hallelujahs. In the book of Revelation, it says, Then I heard what seemed to be a large crowd and sounded like a roaring flood, a loud thunder mixed together. And they were singing, Praise the Lord, our God is all-powerful. Another version says, And they were singing hallelujah. Another version simply says, They were shouting hallelujah for the Lord our God is all-powerful and rain. And I call this broken hallelujahs for a reason. The word hallelujah basically means to praise God. But life has moments where we're praising God, and life has moments where we're not so much praising God. I call those broken moments. Let me read a story to you that really got me thinking about this, because I think it's, it's real life. This woman writes, she said, when, when I was 13 years old, my mom had a seizure in the middle of the night. After multiple tests and surgeries, the neurologist diagnosed her with terminal brain cancer. She had four months to live. As my siblings and I prepared for goodbyes, nearly every church in the country through that particular fellowship was praying for my mom's healing. A year later, the same team of doctors declared my mom in remission. Many people in our small community convinced of God's power and his hand in this unbelievable miracle came to faith, and I was one of them. It seemed too good, and then it wasn't. A few years later, she began forgetting things. She began telling cashiers at the grocery store her personal information. She bought the same vacuum cleaner every week. Her surgical uh, scars suddenly opened and infection spread into her skull, nearly killing her. 
After a year in the hospital and countless surgeries, one-third of her skull was permanently removed. Now in her 50s, she lives in assisted living, remembers very little about her own life, and cannot function. Finally, rather than going, uh, undergoing the quick death of brain cancer, she now suffers the slow death of dementia. The miracle that brought me to faith years ago now brings me to a spiritual crisis. Why would God provide a miracle one moment only to have my mom suffer later on? That is an example of what I would call broken hallelujahs. One moment it's hallelujah, praise God. It looks like a miracle has taken place. And then down, down later on it's been broken up. Life would break it up. It's a broken hallelujah. And I don't mean to be negative or anything like that at all. In fact, far from it. But as we live our life, you're going to have many broken hallelujahs. And we have to, that's a part of life. Life's like that. We have those moments where everything is going so well and we're just praising God. We're hallelujah and God all day long in the church, touching each other. Man, praise God, things are going on. And then all of a sudden, in one moment, I found out, and I'll talk about it later on, in one moment of time, your whole world can change. And like her, you wonder, what in the world is going on? The Bible says in Revelation that there will be no, no longer anything that is cursed because of sin and illness and death are gone and the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it. And his bondservant will serve and worship him with great awe and joy and loving devotion. Revelations 21 verse 4. We, we all know this verse. We've heard it. We've heard it preached from. I've preached from it. It says, I heard a loud voice speaking from the throne. Now God's home is with us. He will live with them. And he shall be their people. And God himself will be with them. And he shall be their God. He will wipe away all tears from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more grief. No more crying or pain. Old things, old things have disappeared. The book of Revelation reminds us about the day of the Lord coming, but sometimes it seems like it's a long way off. But there is a day coming. Mark it down, church. What I just read to you is going to happen. The story I read in 2 Kings, I left out many verses, but it's about a woman who I caught broken hallelujahs because one moment, you know, God gives her a son she doesn't ask for. It was the greatest miracle for her own life. God gives her a son, and then the son is allowed to die. And then God is able to touch the son, and it's, the son is resurrected. He goes from broken, literally broken, hallelujah, hallelujah, and then it's been broken. Now he, he's raised again. You read that, the life, that's a picture of life. In any moment, anything can happen. A family can go from blessedness to brokenness in like in five, one minute. And so that's what's happening here. And I want us to really consider some things. You know, the time we're living in, it's not just you feeling bad or being sick. I understand sickness. I'm not downplaying sickness. I know there's all these different variants. Uh, there's one that attacks Caucasians now called Whitecon. Uh, Mexicans, there's now one called, no, I'm going to say it. But no, you know, the last two years, it's been the most insane two years and probably most of our lives. 
Maybe not, but I, if you, when you look back, you realize, you know, what a time. I don't know how long this is going to ha- last with all these different variants in the Sioux and the flus. Now it's flu-rona. Have you read that? The flu and corona. So if all the, it might be five years from now. Who knows? This might be how it is, but something has happened in the spiritual realm. People don't think about There's a war going on for your soul. And you would not think that this would be the way the enemy would kind of get in and get kind of in the upper hand. But it seems like that's exactly what's happening. I mean, it has been very difficult. We have a lot, a lot of questions. We have very few answers about people's lives, people that, that things have happened to, like this woman. But there's so many stories where there's businesses shut down. People that had a business for all their life lost their business, lost a loved one, lost, got sick. It goes on and on and it almost never ends. It's never been this crazy ever before. Battles taking place, home battle, marriage battles, family battles, disease. I mean, you name it, it's an assault from hell, too. The enemy, he always uses their circumstance. I don't understand it, but I know one thing. The enemy is real, and he assaults the people of God. And it's almost like during this time, it's like people have forgotten that you're in a battle for your soul and that you have an enemy. We just say, oh, it's, I don't feel very good today. My brother, I, I won't say who it is, but my brother was telling me that every Saturday night, I, or I think Saturday night, is that right? Saturday night, he feels ill, and Sunday morning, he feels ill. Monday comes around, he feels perfectly fine. What do you think that is? That's a devacon. That's, that's a variant called the devacon. The enemy is real. One article I read in two weeks, my son sent me, 38% of all pastors in America or in churches wanted to walk away from ministry because of the difficulty during this corona thing, the problems in the church. And some of those problems were not the problems you would think. It was Some of the problems were people's apathy, indifference. Not supportive. And you begin to take the heart right out of pastors. That's demonic. Anything that was going to take the heart out of you for God is demonic. 38%. That's a lot, church. Thank God those 38% did not quit. But it's a real battle. It's a real assault. There's anxiety. They still say it's, it's the number one issue people are dealing with in, in stress. You know, one of the times I'd gone to the doctor, um, not recent, but it's a while back. The doctor asked me, you just have too much stress on your life. You got to find a way to unload some of the stress. What in the world do you do for a living? And I told her, she said, oh, can you do something different? I'm being serious. She said, can you find a different avenue of, 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 of career? I said, I wish. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> hey, I, I really, you got one? You can think of one? I'm, I'm in. <laughs> but no, she said, no, seriously, you got to find it. You, you, you could really, she said, you should really consider finding a different uh, career path. It's not a career path. It's a calling. And this last time I was in the doctors, not doctors, the emergency, I, I thought, man, I wanted to, come on, lady. This, this doctor's talking to me through an uh, iPad because she's an Indian doctor in another place and, and she's interviewing me through an iPad. I'm laying there in the bed and she's, and she's saying all this stuff. She, first thing she said was, do you have any stress in your life, Mr. Mejia? And I thought, stress? Who doesn't have stress? 
Where, have, where do you live and what do you do for a living? I mean, you think about it. Who I don't care. If you've got money, it doesn't mean you don't have stress. You can have all your needs met and be under all kinds of stress. In fact, my, um, my nephew, uh, Manuel, told me, he said he delivers all these cars. Some of these cars are multi-million dollar cars. He says, it's crazy, Carrie. I deliver these cars to these guys with these mansions, multi-million dollar cars. I drive them around. I take him to their house. He's on a truck. He unloads them, takes them inside, and he has them there. And he says, every one of these guys, he said, every one of them I've met so far, they're all worried about their money, and they have no peace. He said, you would think they'd be happy with what they got. He said, most of them want to get more. He said, and they're so afraid something's going to happen to their car. That's the world we live in, Right? There's, 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 you think about it. So you, I'm talking about stress. And I thought, this doctor, doctor, where have you been living the last two years? Everyone's under stress and anxiety. Am I under stress? Then she says, she's, she's asked me that question. Then she asked me all these other questions. At the end of the survey or the questions, she said, Mr. Mejia. She's yelling at me. I'm gonna, and she's the Indian lady. Mr. Mejia from India. And she says, you have too much stress on your, your body is under too much stress. And I thought, I heard that before. And I thought, but the truth is, who isn't? The times we're living in, it's, it's such a crazy, crazy time. Story of a man. He was walking across the street and on the road and was suddenly hit by a car the impact knocked him on his head, which caused him to be in a coma for a couple of days. And when he finally regained his consciousness, he opened his eyes. His loving wife was there beside his bed holding his hand. And he said, you know, Judy, you've been right by, you, you've been right by my side. When I was struggling in college, I failed again and again. There you were. You're always with me, encouraging me. Keep, keep going. When I, was, when I got out of school and went for my interviews and I failed to get any jobs, you stayed right there with me, cutting out more classifieds for me and to check on, and I applied for other jobs. Then I started working at that little firm. I finally got a chance to handle a big contract, but I blew it because of one little mistake, and you were there beside me all the way. And finally, I got another job after being laid off for some time. I never got promoted, seemed to get promoted for all the hard work I was doing. I was never recognized for it. But you remain in the same position from day to day. You're always there by my side. Her eyes started filling with tears as she listens. He says, and now, now this, this accident, and I wake up, you're the first person I see. There's something I really want to say to you. He said, yes, Judy, I think you're just plain bad luck. That's not what she was expecting to hear, right? <laughs> but I use the illustration this way. I've used that before for marriage. I just said it about marriage and relationships. But I thought of it this way. I wonder what God hears from us. Because God walks with you and I through all our hardships and through the valley of death and through our troubles and through our tribulation and through all of our difficult times. And I think sometimes instead of thanking him for being there, helping us, we turn our backs at him and sometimes we raise our fists like many times people do. Why in the world are you putting me through this? God, I've gotten saved and you're nothing but bad luck. Hmm. 
Well, you know the truth about problems? You say, I got saved, and all I've had is nothing but problems after problem after problem. Well, if you didn't get saved, life still has problems. I say to someone who says things like that, I say, well, imagine what it'd be like to go through those problems without God. So I thought about this coming up year. None of us know. None of us know what the events hold. None of us. We don't know what's going to happen to any of us. We don't know the trials, the temptations, the personal trials, the family trials, marriage trials, all that's going to come to you and I. We don't know what sickness may or may not come to our, our bodies and all the mind battles. We don't know none of that. And, and it, could be, it could turn out bad and people are saying, whoa, and it doesn't look good. But let me think it this way. That all may be true, but here's my thought. But there's another side of this coming up year we're living in right now. It could be our best year ever. This could be the year as the best year ever in your own personal life. This could be the year of great successes. This could be the year of great blessings that come into your life. But hey, people ain't looking at it like that. They're caught up in the moment of the crisis. They're caught, listen, they're caught, up, they're caught up in the time. The times don't have to define you and I. The times that we live in don't lead us to think the right way. If we, if we follow the narrative that's being given to you and I, it's nothing but woe. And it's nothing but woe and gloom. It's nothing, there's nothing good, worry, fear. Listen, you can't live that way, and neither should we live that way. We have a God who knows all the future. So A, I would say we may not know what lies ahead, but he does. We have no idea what's going to happen in the future, but he does, and you know him. You need to believe that. And B, I would say, you and I are not exempt from what's going to happen. We, we, we don't get an exemption. We get saved, exemption from all trials and tribulations and pain and difficulty and brokenness. We're, we're not exempt. In our story... When the child dies, I didn't read it. She has a child. The child dies. She comes back. The mother comes back to Elisha and says, the child has died. And Elisha isn't shocked by it. But my point, and my main point is going to be the one I made before, but get into a little bit more. She chooses submission. The hour in which you and I live under the assaults people are facing, I, I, listen, submission will get you through. We talk about submission. We talk about submission to God. That's what will get you and I through it. I'm talking about choosing to live under God's rule. No matter what this next year holds for you and I, if we make this choice that she chose, she chose to walk, she chose submission. If you and I choose to live a life that's submitted to God, then you and I can make it through anything. If we say in our hearts, no matter what comes my way, I'm going to stay submitted to God. I'm going to stay in love with Jesus Christ. Ain't nothing going to change that. She remains submissive even though she's deeply hurt and probably confused. Because in disappointments, 
problems, you know what it can cause? It can cause separation. Disappointments can cause separation in marriage. It can cause separation in brothers in Christ. It can cause disappointments in a church. Things happen in life, in church, with people. But we have to be able to, in those disappointments, people say, well, I never thought it would be like that. I, 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 don't believe, I can't believe someone broke my confidence. I can't believe someone betrayed me. I can't believe someone I trusted and lied. Listen, people are people. I'm not justifying that. I'm not justifying anything like that. But people are people. And you've got to understand, you're people too. You know, sometimes it's a little odd, I think, as a pastor. You see people come in, they give their life to Christ, and they, they grew up in bad lives. They were addicted. They had problems. There were drugs, uh, maybe gang, whatever. And they get saved, and all of a sudden they get soft. One church offense would drive them out of a church. I can't believe I'm offended. Bro, when you were in the world, you didn't care who offended you. Why are you Mr. Soft now? She's able to connect the dots. Or in other words, we would say to somebody, she got it. Let me explain. She was able to connect the dots with the past, with the present. She knew God was good in the past, and she believed some way God would be good in the future. Do you? Think about it. She connects the dots. This was her belief system. Uh, Yeah, God gave me a child, and yes, my child died, but I'm going back to God. Why? Because I can connect the past with the present. God was good then. God can be good now, even though my child just died. That's one of the things the children of Israel couldn't do. They always seemed like they couldn't connect. What God did in the past with what God could do in the present. And he got mad at him. He man, come on. The Bible says in Psalms, how often they rebelled against him in the desert and how many times they made him sad. Again and again, they put God to the test and brought pain to the holy God of Israel. They forgot how great his power was and that he saved them from their enemies. Over and over again, God's people would forget the power of what God did in the past. Psalms 106 says it like this. They did not understand God's wonderful acts. They forgot the many times he showed them his love. And they rebelled against the Almighty at the Red Sea. It's so easy to forget how much God, or I put it like this, it's so easy to forget how much God loves you and I and what he's done for us. You think the verse I just read, think about this. He said, they rebelled against me at the Red Sea. After seeing all those miracles. I don't know what you've seen in your life, but I'm sure you can look in your life and see, you know what? God over the, God's done a lot of great things that I didn't even ask for. And I'm getting ready to go forward this next year. And I don't have no idea what's going to happen. But I, you know what? I, can, I th- believe if I could trust anyone, I could trust the God who did that in the past. And the Bible says they rebelled with, at him at the Red Sea. I thought, man, what a demonstration. Because at the Red Sea, the heart was the hardest. God was still soft because God opened the Red Sea. 
The moment that they, they're turning their backs on God, speaking against God, God says, I'm going to show you my love one more time. I'm going to part the Red Sea for you guys. Isn't that amazing? You know, thank God we're not God. But say, hey, I showed you guys before. Drown. Hello. Yeah, drown. Bye. I tried. But even in their rebellion and even in their hardness, even they forgot the mercy and the love of God, God says, I'm going to step in and show you my love because my love is not based upon what you do or don't do. She does something. She takes action. She begins to search for Elisha or going to make it practical. She goes to church. You know, going to church is very simple, but it had profound implications in your life. That's a, uh, what do you call it? A notice from God. And the truth is, if you really want God's help, you choose to do what is right and honorable. And you do whatever it takes to bring God into your problems. I'll say it again. If you really want God's help, you choose to do what is right. And you do what is honorable and you will, you will do whatever it takes to bring God into your problems that you have right in this moment. She chooses to go to church. She chooses to do something. She chooses to obey. I'm telling you, this next year, obedience to God, being submitted to God, that it gets through its church. There's a scripture in Joel. It says, gather the people together, prepare them for a sacred meeting. How many know this is a sacred meeting? So what do we do here, Pastor? I'll tell you what we do. We come, like Chris said, it's an appointment with God, and we hear the word of God preached to it. And this is, this is our strong point. We may not do a lot of other things, but we come and sit. So all we do is sit. No, no. The God, the Bible, the word of God touches our heart and transforms us. Hallelujah. And from that transformation, we begin to make changes in our life. We live out the convictions in our heart that God gives us in church. You see someone's life is do well, doing well? You see, is that how you started? So, no, I started this way. I didn't have a job. I came to church, got saved. Now I have a good job. I, 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 miracle, I, I'm married now. I got a good job. How'd that happen? It happened by you coming to church, God touching your life, saving you, and you're responding to the word of God. And allowing the word of God to have free course. The Bible talks about having free course in your life. All that means is allowing God to go inside of us and deeply change us. This whole year, listen, you're not done changing. If you're done changing, okay, Jesus. You ain't Jesus. Oh, man, this is a critical moment in her life. It's a critical moment in our hour. I'm not, as a pastor, I know there are people here this morning they have great mind battles. There's people here this morning, your faith's faltering. There's people this morning, say, I wish things were different. It's reality. I understand all of that. It's a critical moment. 
But she does something that I think is so, so important. But her going back to Elisha, let me say it this way. If she didn't go back to Elisha, she would have lost. She would have never saw the promises again in her life. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians, and I'm going to come back to what I just said. Paul writes, we wanted to return to you. I myself tried to go back to you more than once, but Satan would not let us. After all, it is you and others. You are our hope. You are our joy, our reason for boasting and victory in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here, Paul says, you know what, guys? I, I wanted to come to you. I wanted to visit you. You're my joy. You, you bring me joy. You bring me peace. You bring me, you're, you're everything to me. And he says, he makes a statement. He says, but I wanted to do that, but I couldn't. And he tells us why. He says, Satan stopped me. The word block means to hold any stop uh, it means basically a guy going down a road and there's a roadblock and you, you can't pass you can't go up beyond that it means to impede progress it means to stop progress and paul says it was the enemy that blocked my the road it was an enemy that cut me off and i believe the enemy knew that not only would it be an encouragement to them to hear paul it would be a great encouragement to paul to see them listen personal battles are real what I mean by that is Paul wants to come to them. He says, I couldn't get to you. Why? He says, Satan hindered me. Let me tell you something. Satan ain't dead today. He still hinders the people of God. How many times, my brother said, how many times it's such a timely attack. You want to go see. You want to go talk to someone. You want to come to church. All of a sudden you, feel, you don't feel so good. You're depressed. Something happens. It's, 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 I, it's not, I can't do this. Why? You've been stopped by the, the enemy is real and he opposes relationships. Satan understood the power of human relationships. And I'll tell you also, Satan understands the power of assaults and the timing of assaults. You think about it. Adam's in the garden by himself. We don't read of Satan. Adam gets married, and guess who shows up? Satan. That wasn't Eve. I'm talking about Satan. <laughs> Hell shows up to destroy that marriage. He understands the power of human relationships. If he could remove Elisha out of her life, There'd be no resurrection in her child. Listen carefully. There are things God will do in us that will be seen in our children, but only if we allow God and we're still serving God. If this could be, if she decides not to go and this relationship with Elijah is completely cut out of her life, the pro think about the promise of the child being resurrected would have never happened. Sometimes parents get discouraged. Their, their child dies spiritually. I'll get to that in a couple of weeks. The child dies and we say, you know what, the child's dead. Forget about it. No, no. And if you give up and you lose heart, you quit coming to church, the child don't even have a chance to ever live again because now you ain't living for God. But if you keep the connection to God, God can intervene and bring resurrection to our backslidden children. Can you say Or grandchildren. But you can't lose heart. You can't allow the enemy to break that relationship. She refuses to cast off Elisha in a critical moment. 
the resurrection for this child, what a great promise. And I believe this. There are so many great promises that God can bring into our life. But it, it will be contingent upon you and I staying faithful to God. And she caught hold of the man of God, came to the mountain, and she caught hold of him. She comes, the Bible says Gehazi tried to push her away. I'll get to that in some other sermon. But the prophet of God said, leave her alone. She's bitter in her soul. And God has not told me what it is. It's amazing how he could speak one word, say a child's going to be born, and it happens. But at this moment, he don't have all the answers. He said, I don't know what's in her heart, but she's broken. She's been bitter. Something's wrong with her gaze. I don't bother her. Because Gehazi was going to push her away. He said, don't leave her alone. And she grabs his feet. Feet speak of direction. I allow God to direct my life even in my brokenness. Are you with me? The Bible says, and she clung to Elisha. Listen to this, what the word means. It means to prevail. It means to be strong. It means to become stronger. I love this one. It means to be courageous. It means to be firm. And it means to grow. When you and I cling to God, listen to me, we become more than we are today. If you and I choose during this critical moment to cling to God, hold on to God, you and I will become something more than we are today. The closer you get to God, the greater you change and the more courage you have, the stronger you become in faith. You cling to God and what you are today is not what you be. God changes us when you and I draw close to him. And all this points to submission. She chose submission. The Bible says in James 4, 7. Surrender to God, resist the devil, and he will run from you. So place yourself under God's authority. Resist the devil, and he will run away from you. Now the verse says, submit yourself or place yourself under the authority of God. It's called Submission. The Bible says, so then, if you do not do what is good, and you know you should do it, that's sin. You know, a lot of Christians, you know, a lot of things, they know what's right. They know what they should do. They, they say what they should do, and they don't do it. Don't take that lightly. God is going to hold you accountable. It's not like you don't know you should be committed to God and, and follow Christ during this critical hour. You can write us, well, I don't, you know, you know you ought to do this. You're not doing the Bible says clearly that's sin. It's wrong. There's two things I'm just going to say here. I'm going to end. Sometimes, and I've heard people do this, they resist the devil, but they leave out the second part of that verse. And so they resist the devil. Everybody says, resist the devil, plead the blood, pray more, read more. You can do all of that, but if you're not submitted to God, it means nothing. If you and I want to overcome, there are some things we have to do. The Bible says in James, it's not about personal strength and power. Number one the Bible says, submit yourself. You put yourself under the authority of God. I can't do that for you. You see people's lives all troubled and messed up. 
He said, brother, just put your life under the authority of God and let God work it out with you. I can't do that for you. I can't put your life, your spiritual life in order for you. I, I long, I want to see it happen. I, I, God has so much more for you. But unless you put your life under the authority of God, it's not going to happen. Because without that, take out that first part of the verse. You, you're dealing with the devil on your own power. Good luck. Without that submission, without the power of God working in your life, you're going to try to face an enemy that destroy, almost destroyed you before you got saved. Well, he's just as powerful now. Don't think because you sit here this morning, you look nice, you're dressed nice. Don't think that in, in, in a short amount of time you could be, listen, the opposite of what you are right now. You can't and you don't win by your own efforts. Submission to God is what you and I, and what gives you and I victory. And if there is ever an hour you and I need what that word means, courage and to prevail, to grow, it's today, man. So let me say, I'll say four things quickly. Four things we must all do as a church. And I'm going to have all of us answer the altar call, and I'll explain in a moment. Number one. You have to let go of any sin that you're hiding in your heart. You know what's crazy? God knows our heart, and that ought to scare us. I read, Pastor, but God knows my heart. Yeah, that ought to scare you, bro. <laughs> I was in Clark's the other day, and um, I was in, well, I'll can I tell you something? I was in Clark's the other day, Clark. I was at the doctor's and going to see my girlfriend again, Loma Linda. Me and her might get married in the 29th of next month. Um, but anyway, I went to Clark's, and I'm walking down the aisle. I asked this man to help me. I said, can you help me, sir? Yeah, I'll help you. Right. Give me one minute. I'll help this lady. I said, okay. I wasn't really paying attention. I went out, so I went walking around. found another guy. I said, can you help me? He said, yeah, yeah. So he's standing there. He's standing right here. And I said, can you help me? He said, oh, yeah, I'll help you. I said, give me one second. And there's a lady, uh, maybe right where that stands at. Yeah, right there. And she's, and I didn't have a mask on. Can you believe that? Sorry, church. You have one on. You don't have one on. People have it on without having one on. They're wearing a mask. That ain't you. Good preaching. Anyway, that's not that sermon. So he's standing here, and the lady is standing here. She goes, and the guy said, come over. She goes, she goes I, would, I would, but him, him. She had a mask on. She was afraid of me because I didn't have no mask on. And you would think I was the devil. But she, she goes, she goes, she goes, uh, uh. She was like, I'm not that old, a little older than me. Actually, she looks a little older than me, but she looked messed up. Anyway, but, but she looked, oh, I looked at her and said, that hell stuff ain't working on you, girl. Anyway, I didn't say that, but I was thinking that. No, I saw her, and I, when she did that, I, I looked at her, and I said, no, no problem, ma'am. Because she, she reminded me of Susan, to be honest with you. Susan's so sweet. How are you going to offend Susan, right? How are you going to scare Susan? You don't scare Susan if you're saved. And, and I saw her, and, and the side of me went to go, Rah! I just went to jump at her. I like that exercise, girl. But I walked by her, and I go, oh, I understand, man. But I thought, man, I, that's what I wanted to do. And I thought to myself, you didn't do it, but God knows your heart, Carrie. <laughs> and I said, okay, God, I'm sorry. I didn't do it, but I, am, yeah, I wanted to, but I didn't. It's, so number one, number two, quickly. 
We need to actively pursue God's purpose and take actions and occupy our attention and time on spiritual things. Listen, this is not the time to just be running loose and wild. If there was ever a time people need to be focused, it's now, and they're not. Number three, you better keep a humble attitude towards God and others. As a Christian, you better keep a humble attitude towards God and others. Don't ever think you're so proud and so that no one can tell you anything or you won't listen to nobody. And now you've been saved for five years. So what does that mean? It means you've been saved five years. You've got to be willing to be humble with God and people. Four. Continue continually to rely on God and his purpose for victory in your life. Okay, I'm going to get through this, God. How am I going to get through this? Let me end right here. The second event that I had with myself, because I'm going to share the first one on a life lab, but not this Sunday. It was so weird there's something I said to God I'm going to share with you. And the only reason I share anything, one of my pastor friends says, Gary, you don't, you share everything. You don't, you tell everybody everything. He said, I think you shouldn't tell me anything. And I said, well, I, I just share stories because maybe they can relate to the stories. That's all. And so, and, and, and by relating to the story, maybe they can find some encouragement. That's the reason why I do it. I was in my house, and I, I get up and tell my wife, I'm going to bed, but I wasn't feeling right. And I don't know if this was the second one, not the first time, the second time. So I'm walking down the hall, and everything just seemed, I mean, everything just started just crazy. I'm like, what in the world's going on? I said, Carmen, don't be alarmed. I'm not feeling right. I don't know what it is. So I'm going to go outside in the garden, and I'm going to do my breath work. I go outside and get out there and start relaxing. I want to relax. I want to calm my soul down. She said, all right, but I want to check your blood pressure. I said, that's fine. So she went out there and she sat there with me. Checked my blood pressure. My blood pressure was like 200 over 100 something. And she said, no, you're going to, you're going to, uh, you're going to the hospital. So we're sitting there. And as we're sitting there getting dizzy and I'm losing the ability to speak. Have you ever lost the ability to speak? It is such a weird thing. And the paramedics come, and I was already, I can't talk. At least I could walk. Last time I couldn't walk. They put me on the stretcher. I'm laying there, I can't talk. My eyes filled with tears because I wanted to cry, but I was too proud that people were there. 
But inside, I, I yelled out. I said, enough's enough, God. And then I said, God, I'm sorry for saying that. You must have a plan and a purpose in all this insanity, and I need your strength. This hour, listen to me. Every one of us needs strength. Let's bow our heads. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. You're here this morning, just very quickly. See, God, you spoke to me about some things. Raise your hand quickly. God, you spoke to me. You spoke to me, God. This woman refused to allow what happened in her life to separate her from the church, to separate her from God. And because she kept that godly connection alive and living, she would see promises poured out in her heart, poured out in her life, in her child's life. Mom, Dad, don't stop serving God. Do not. Stop. It's if you want your kids to even have a chance, they get it's a beautiful thing to have a parent or parents in church. There's so many precious promises God can pour into your child's life, but He can only do it if you're living for Him. And no one said it would be easy, bro. No one said this was going to be easy. With so many churches going out of business. So many pastors walking away. People only talk about it in natural realms. They say, well, this problem and that. We have an enemy that assaults us. The battle is very real. Spiritual battles are real. Don't forget that. Anyone else? You say, God, you spoke, you spoke to me this morning. Raise your hand. I see these hands. Yes, 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 yes. I see these hands. Maybe you're not right with God and you're, you're watching me this morning. You're not right. And you want to get right. Or you're in the congregation and say, I'm not right with God, Pastor. I want to get right. I want to, submit, I want to put myself under God's authority finally. Stop fighting and be proud and full of yourself. Say, I'll put myself under God's authority and say, okay. If that's you this morning, raise your hand. And say, I want to give my life back to Christ. I see the hand over there, brother. Anybody else? If you're watching, you give your life to Christ. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Sorry for my rebellion against you. I thank you for dying on the cross for me and my sins. I give you my life. Take my life and use it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand. Let's come and find a place to pray. We do one last thing before we leave here, but come and find a place to pray for a moment, please. When you're done praying, just stand to your feet. Do not go back to your chair. Just stand to your feet. Hey folks, I really hope this episode encouraged you to live a more purposeful and intelligent life. If it did bless you, would you share it with somebody who you love as well? Thanks again for joining us, folks. We'll see you next time.